Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello, I'm Mika Simmons and welcome to a very special episode of the Happy Vagina podcast titled The Happy Vulva. Coming up, we have Poppy J and Rubina Pabani, hosts of the award-winning Brown Girls Do It Too podcast, and they're going to be telling us why we all need to be talking more openly about our vulvas. They're here as part of a campaign called We Need to Talk About Vulvas by this episode's sponsors, Callalee. Callalee are an amazing period care brand who are trying to tackle the taboos and shame so many of us feel about our vulvas. All of Callalee's products are made with organic cotton and they've also totally redesigned the tampon for the first time in 80 years. It's called the Tamp Liner. It's leak-proof. I've tried it and it totally transformed my period experience. You can find out more about Callalee's inspirational campaign at www.calla.ly forward slash vulvatalk. That's www.calla.ly forward slash vulvatalk. Welcome to The Happy Vagina, a podcast dedicated to celebrating pioneers in the female space who have made a difference in women's health, equality and relationships. Each week we chat to an inspiring human being or two as they explore the experiences that completely change their outlook, promising not only to educate but also enlighten and entertain. And in this very special episode, we are joined by the hosts of Brown Girls Do It Too podcast, Poppy J and Rabina Pavani. Both of you, welcome to the Happy Vagina. Thanks for having us. How fun. Is there anything more exciting ever in the history of time than the hosts of Brown Girls Do It Too meeting the host of the Happy Vagina? Like three POC vaginas meeting. It's like... <laughs> The dream isn't it like brown on brown on white like it's a seminal moment it's a, it's seminal, a seminal moment, moment. it's a seminal like moment vaginas meeting vaginas vaginas meeting vulvas it's all going down it's all going down <laughs> on this zoom oh we haven't it's... even started on the clitoris yet <laughs> anyway anyway i mean i think the only thing that might maybe usurp us is like world peace or mm. an end to climate change i think that either of those two things might usurp this moment but other than that i think this is it <laughs> this is the moment in the history of time or at least podcasts <laughs> so today obviously our focus is going to be vulvas but before we do that i would like to for our listeners that don't know who you two are god forbid i'd like to just go back a little bit and first of all if you could just tell us who you are yeah sure um i'm rabina and i work in i work for a production company i make videos and podcasts like these types of podcasts which i love and i love podcasting um and yeah, I'm one half of uh, the terrible duo that is <laughs> Brown Girls Do It Too with uh, the wonderful Poppy. Uh, and I'm Poppy. I'm a new time uh, director, a radio host, podcaster. My aim in life really is to make sure that there's enough peanut butter stocked in my cupboard at all times. And I'm the other half of this amazing duo, <laughs> Brown Girls Do It Too. <laughs> Tell me about the peanut butter. 
not almond butter. Uh, no, it's got to be peanut. And it's like the really basic bitch, sun pat, crunchy. Like, don't give me anything bougie. On a finger? On a, on a fi- I mean, I mean, on a Friday, drunk. Yeah, on a finger. <laughs> <laughs> but usually I'm a bit more ladylike. I, you know, get a teaspoon or like a butter knife and I just go straight in. And it's just like hits the spot, you know. I'm trying toast. to lay off the Nutella. I'm trying to lay off the Nutella, rather. Or always on toast. Brown toast. Brown toast granary. Um, and I'm She's trying brown. to live. She only eats brown foods. I only eat brown foods, brown and beige. Um, <laughs> I Nutella has all this palm oil shit in it, so I'm just trying to like not do that. But um, yeah, peanut butter and jam are kind of my my two honey, peanut butter and honey. Um, honey, I sometimes do a teaspoon of honey when I need something really sweet. Um, but I've I've moved on from honey now. I'm like, give me peanut butter, peanut butter and um, jam on a on a rice cake. <sighs> So good. Like that. that is so oh, good. That combo is dangerous. I'm mm. big on rice cakes, actually. I've recently, because I had to stop eating wheat and I started having Marmite on rice cakes with a vegan butter and it was oh. actually a pretty good replacement. Not, no, nothing will ever replace a big chunky sourdough piece of white bread with like butter and, and, and Marmite on yeah. it. But, I, yeah. but it, it does the job. So you two, tell me about how the idea for Brown Girls came around the podcast. We can't take any credit for it. This is where we feel like, fraud. well, we're not frauds because we always say we can't take credit for it. But it's the it's really the idea of um, our producer, a five foot two Bengali man called Rehan, Rehan Rahman. And he works for the BBC Asian Network. And I think they were doing that classic BBC thing where you're like in a room <laughs> and brainstorming ideas. I mean, it came from his mum, didn't it? That whole concept of like, he, didn't, cool. he didn't know anything about his mum's story, did he? Yeah, he said his mum would never ever speak to him about sex and his mum, prob- she didn't know she had, she had relationships before she met her, his father. He just didn't know anything about her life and he was just wondering what are Asian women doing now and, and, and currently they're all having these amazing stories and no one's documenting them and what could he do to document them. But I will take some credit for the yeah. podcast because I actually have a podcast before I did Brown Girls Do It Too. One of the episodes we did, um, it's called The Das Podcast and we did this episode about sex and he called me and said, I've never heard an Asian woman talk about sex like that. Would you be up for doing it with two strangers? And I was like... Who are you? (laughs) (laughs) The three of us met up in a BBC canteen and just instantly there was chemistry like I haven't felt before Mm. for a long time. We we often joke, we're like, who's going to have the fight first? You know, she always says I'm going to have the fight first, but I think it'll be you, actually. Over <laughs> celery, drunk on a Friday night. I see it as a food fight. I see it as a, a food, food fight. There's celery and peanut butter involved. Um, <laughs> I hope but, you don't. Ever yeah, if, I mean, that's pretty much how it started. So he, so Ray, Rayhan, I keep wanting to call him Radio Rayhan. That's his Instagram handle. Sorry, Rayhan. That's quite good. Keep going with it. He'll get loads of new followers. <laughs> like, why have all these women? Right he now, needs them. He needs them. His, he needs his content them. currently is just him skateboarding and not very well. It's so. like him skating. He's basically, I think, in his forties, but he's taken up skating, which is the cutest thing ever. That's so cool. So, like, good, good on him, you know. But uh, it is he needs more content and he needs more followers. Okay, good. So, Radio Rayhan um, called uh, heard Rubina talk about sex in the brilliantly refreshing kind of fearless way she does and then he put me and Roya our co-host from series one together and then we met and quite amazingly and extraordinarily we hit it off we'd never met each other before we didn't know the other person existed and suddenly we're all talking about our fannies so that was great and then we did the so we recorded the podcast in 2019 sort of over the summer did did a six episode season and then you know this sounds kind of pathetic not pathetic it's not the right word but like on the last day of recording we sort of bought little presents for each other and said bye and thought we'd you know meet each other once a year to kind of reminisce about that time that one time we did this podcast about that 
Uh, and Rubina, this is Rubina's line, but like, you know, we genu I genuinely, genuinely thought no one would hear this podcast. And Rubina's like, six girls in Bradford are going to hear this podcast and that'll be the end of that. And then what, fast forward a, a year later, we won an award. We won huge at the British Podcast Awards, didn't we? Yeah, I think, it, you know, what we didn't really realise is there's a bit of a vacuum in this space for women of colour and especially um, Asian women mm. and uh, even Poppy and I were talking about who our heroes are in the kind of British media in terms of British Asians that we can relate to. And it's really the cast of Goodness Gracious Me, which is over and was over mm. many years ago. <laughs> and Bend It Like Beckham, which next year will be 20 years old. Mm. So it's like, what reference points do we even have? And Michelle Hussein, who does like the Today programme. <laughs> I'm not talking about sex this year. I mean, as much as we love her and every yeah. other newscaster. So mm. there's so, just a vacuum yeah. of people not taking themselves too seriously in mm. the British Asian space. Everyone feels like you've got to be like really serious or a document mm. documentary or an actor or something mm. and we just wanted to do something that felt a bit comedy and mm. letting go and that really mm. let nicely into the sex space because you, we could just be really free with it yeah. mm. Mm. and did you get any backlash because i oh think my... one of the most important things around this is your cultural backgrounds that both of you from what i understand it have it's not like you come from very very liberal british asian families you do come from i mean i don't know, know how regimented they are but they definitely aren't um, pretty fucking regimented. Yeah. <laughs> Don't worry, you can say that. It's, okay. It's, uh, well, pr pretty regimented for me, and you know, to a degree, Rubina as well, for sure. Yeah, we got loads of backlash. We got loads of trolls, uh, loads of people really shaming us. You know, you talked about that shame dial earlier. It was mm. cranked up. You mm. know, pretty much mm. the machine was just kind of fucking short circuiting, basically. Mm. Um, and it was just evidently clear why we needed to do it. We clearly needed mm. to talk about sex and relationships in the way that we did. Um, because we, people, people were so pissed off and like, you know, the, the people felt like this is a conversation that needs to be had in the bedroom with your partner. Why are you airing your dirty laundry in public? But the validation that we got, we got so many women and men actually, but women sliding into our DM saying, this is amazing. Mm. I can now look at my husband without any shame. It's mm. so good that you guys have normalized it. I mean, we've got some amazing messages, didn't we, Rubina? Mm. Yeah. And like, just to completely reiterate that, the backlash isn't because we're Asian. It's because we were talking about sex and we're women as mm. well as being Asian. Yeah. Like, remember, we're not just dealing with like the Asian-ness of talking about sex. We're also dealing with the Britishness of talking mm. about sex. Both of those cultures are actually quite oppressed people. You know, we're not this fun European Spanish style thing. We're like coming from two quite repressed backgrounds. Yeah. And also there's lots of, I don't know, ideas that, you know, the British Empire and its effect on India perhaps repressed some kind of sexual mm. desires there. So like, I don't know, I think it's it's complicated embodying those two identities. I really hear you and, and, and acknowledge it. And I think what's, but what is interesting perhaps for you to know is that I didn't get any backlash at all. Um, for, for, and my, particularly my first season of The Happy Vagina, we talked about sex a lot and June Sarpong said really explicit things and so did Natalie Campbell and so did the set the cast of Sex Education and I didn't get any backlash so and now, now that could be to do with the fact that as a B, that, that, that people that listen to the BBC have ideas about what the BBC should be uh, whatever um, so it could be some mm. of that as well but I think it's um, the reason I share it with you is, is not I'm not um, negating how your experience or how you mm. feel I, I I want you to know so that you can fight harder because I actually mm. think that it is racism that there is actually an internalized racism going on yeah of course potentially I don't I don't know that that's true but I do think that you should know that your sister podcast which started at the same time as you hasn't had any of that and that's not okay it's not okay that's so interesting 
Yeah, of course. And and some of some of our commentary, like some of the comments were just like straight out racist. One of my favorite um Apple podcast reviews on our podcast was nobody cares about Asians. Just that. <laughs> <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> the trolls do give us life though, because their comments are so funny. I'm like, I I'm gonna I wanna steal that insult for when I insult my friends. It's very it's very tender, you know, because I just because I'm I'm writing a book for the Happy Vagina at the moment and one of the things I read online was um we don't really understand why women can't have orgasm and it just made me guffaw and then I was like but but like so for me what's really interesting because I I'm very much about finding joy and laughter in mm. this this space too is about how much like about playing with the 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 laughing at the history because that comment that was made about you is historical racism that's embedded in deep-rooted narcissistic patriarchal racist systems that 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 person thinks is okay to say that i mean that person genuinely thinks that's true because he's been conditioned by social constructs that have deluded him into thinking that's true and her we got loads of we get loads of female trolls so I think one of the things for me that, um, are, you know, I don't know if you know this, you probably do, but but in the history of um, of the vagina and the vulva and the space and the sex space, right at the beginning when anatomists started to investigate bodies, they, well, before they were able to cut up cadavers, they thought that a woman's genitals were an inverted male. So they thought that the ovaries was an inverted testicle, etc. So like widening the conversation into shame about women's bodies in general, like where this started, this systemic shaming of women's bodies and our sexuality and and whether or not we're allowed to have pleasure started right at the beginning of modern medicine, you know. And I guess with the podcast and talking... So so you have been impacted, I have been impacted by that historic misogyny and, and lack of understanding and study and... And I wondered for you what it was like growing up and how the podcast has allowed you to kind of maybe be free. Like we've talked about what's happened to you in terms of trolls, but what were your experiences as young women growing up in in the sexual wellness space? Yeah, I think, I mean, I think you phrased that really well. It's kind of that we, we both talk about having quite a lot of misogynistic tendencies within ourselves. It's It's that whole kind of guilty feminist paradox right like all the things that you hate about yourselves the stuff that you've been taught to hate about women mm. to hate about other brown women and and there's like such a journey of unlearning like mm. I think Poppy and I talk about being you know six seven year olds that were probably racist and homophobic and had to kind of really learn about all the things and where those where those ideas were coming from mm. and I, you know that there are uh, a lot of kind of racist tropes within even an Asian community towards each other towards uh, like black communities towards mm. white people there's just like awful things that are said about race within our communities as well as mm. sexual identity mm. gender mm. all of those things are so com complicated that being anything other than a heterosexual kind of person mm. is just awful and we mm. if you grow up in that world I think you you believe it for a long time yeah um and then when you as you come into your sexual awakening realize that like your feelings are just your feelings and this is just how people live you you have to go through that and the podcast has definitely helped me vocalize things better and kind of be honest with myself a little bit more about what I like and what I don't like and mm. why I like them and, and actually like really look at where some of those feelings and fantasies where they're rooted in like why am I interested mm. in being dominated in the bedroom what is that about really and is mm. that healthy or should I try something mm. else and is it okay mm. and you know like mm. analyzing your fetishes in a bit more of a in mm. a real way 
Yeah, I mean, I uh, definitely can, all of the things that Rabina mentioned, I can re resonate with pretty much 99.9% of it. Um, sex education didn't really exist in my community. We didn't really grow up talking about sex. It, no one had it for a start. No one, you know, babies just sort of appeared. Um, like that scene out of Dumbo, you know, where the stalks just come in and fly and drop babies. And it was, uh, you know, I, I had a really difficult time with my own vulva slash vagina. It was an obstacle for me. There were so many things that I was constantly reminded of when I was growing up that I couldn't do because I was a girl. So therefore I then hated my vagina because it was stopping me from doing the things that I wanted to do like the men in my family. Um, and, you know, I think the Asian community in particular, we have a very inherent, we've got a deep seated problem with sex, for instance. Um, you know, we think, uh, you know, often the, the shame of a woman is in her vagina. So it's an open secret that men are shagging around. But if a woman was shagging around, I suppose it's the same in not in, in non-brown societies, but we just seem to have a, a bigger issue talking about it. We don't talk about it as much, which is why the podcast for me, uh, and you hear this line all the time, is really therapeutic for me, actually. Um, and like Rubina was saying, like it really did, not at the time, mm. but later on when the dust settled and we still thought six girls in Bradford were listening to this, mm podcast and then we won the award mm. and then we were in the six page uh the time spread you know you sort of analyze why you are the way you are why you mm. have these uh you know i don't want to say sexual deviances but like why you want to be dom dominated mm. in the bedroom mm. i can link that to hollywood uh, bollywood not hollywood necessarily um both probably you know, or both probably <laughs> yeah, right um, and and you know you sort of um you know, you process things and you you analyze kind of key junctions in your life and why you are the way you are and all the unlearning that you've had to do. Because, you know, from zero till about 18, I was in a very brown Muslim space. Mm. So you sort of think a certain way. And then when you go to university or when you start work, your world opens up. You meet other people mm. from different faiths or no faiths. You meet gay people, lesbians, mm. queer people. So you 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 open up your mind a bit more. Um, mm. but, but the podcast really um, has been a, a two year journey of like learning, unlearning, being fearless, feeling brave, also feeling vulnerable as well. We're not like, you know, we're not sex experts. We're not, we don't claim to be sex experts. Mm. We're not like, oh my God, we're amazing. We have shit days, we have good <laughs> days. Um, and yeah, it's been, it's, I mean, what a journey it's been. My God, when Radio Rehan called me up, I was genuinely like, uh, about sex? I don't have. <laughs> You know, because we're Asian, we're supposed to be doing news and current affairs, we're supposed to be fucking accountants and doctors, like, why are we talking about sex? So it genuinely, yeah. even with the mouth that I had, I was just like, oh, can we not just do politics? Like, can we just, I'd love to do a podcast about politics, because it's just, it yeah, felt yeah. safe. Um, yeah. And I didn't really realise, kind of, I, I didn't realise what we were doing was brave and out there, till a very, till a best friend said, I wouldn't, and, and she meant well, but what she was saying is, I would never have done what you did. That is amazing what you did. This is Kieran. She's I like, I, I could not, my parents, I mean, because I thought, of course, if I could do it, she could do it. But she's like, no, what you did mm. and what Rubina did and Roy did to put yourself out there in the way you did is amazing. I could never. And that's mm. when the penny dropped. And I thought, oh, maybe we are brave. <laughs> I think mm. there's this idea that like sex and relationships is a topic, which is the genre that our podcast fits into, isn't important. Mm. It isn't an important, mm. it isn't like a, it isn't like a hard subject. Do you know what I mean? It isn't like something valuable, but actually it's literally mm. the thing that's the mm. biggest part of our lives. It's what makes mm. us alive and we should put more value on things like Absolutely. that. Absolutely. Mm -mm. Within your community growing up, Poppy, and this is for you too, Rubina, it's just Poppy touched on it. The is it is the the lack of conversation around sex specific to women or is it 
for men as well. Yeah, it's it, it's specific to men and women. It's specific to men and women, but women are sh like, imagine that shame dial going up all the way to the end for women. So, so I, I don't think men, I mean, I don't know, Rubina, maybe in your experience, this is the other thing. Rubina and I, although we're quite similar, we're also very different and we're two very different experiences of brown. Yes. Um, you know, yes. she's from a different sect of Islam. I'm from a different sect of Islam. Uh, you know, her parents are a bit more, well, a lot more liberal than mine were. Um, but sex education doesn't exist for men and women, but it's when women talk about it. It's, it's, I remember being eight and my mom scrubbing me hard in the bathroom and she just had a fight with my dad and my, my daddy, my granny, was giving her shit. And she looked me deep into my eyes and she said, I'll never forget it. She said, women are blamed for everything, even when it's not your fault. And my God, how true was she? Like that resonates in every aspect. Forget about your brown life. It like resonates in every aspect yeah. of your life. And so, yeah. so when women, we would just, we just get blamed more. We just have more baggage, but I don't think um, sex education didn't exist. It's not like the boys got, I mean, the boys did get preferential treatment, but it's not like they were taken to a room and told what's, you know, this is what sex means and this is relationships. They weren't yeah. either, um, yeah. but it just, we have more baggage to carry when we decide to talk about it or act on it. And Asian, yeah. Asian communities are still very largely patriarchal. Like there is always yeah. an uncle or a father whose house that everybody goes to. It's still that system and men rule the roost and everyone needs to be okay with that. But that like, yeah. that just denies this amazing, vibrant experiences of these brown aunties that are hilarious yeah. and sassy and just mm. in the background, in the kitchen making roti and having these like amazing, hysterical, deep conversations that like hopefully to the podcast, Poppy and I could bring a bit of just an essence of what that is. Do they talk about sex or do they just talk about life in a way that's deeper? Uh, my aunties are all very yeah. like suggestive. So they would like, they wouldn't explicitly say this happened with this person, but there's definitely a lot of like gossip of like, and like, you know, they just use phrases for stuff that's not like directly sex. It's what you were saying, like down there, like it would be, yeah. if, if, if you just had a gaggle of women uh, and they were, you know, they, they, they'll be suggestive, like uh, Rubina was saying, yeah, it's yeah. innuendos. Yeah, it's innuendo. But I, I, I would never be privy to this innuendo. If it was happening, it was happening behind closed doors. And I wasn't, yeah, and I wasn't, I couldn't hear them. I mean, so it really was about life or bitching about some other auntie. Um, but it was rarely, rarely about sex or relationships or, you know, I'm having a really difficult time. Also, in our communities as well, there's a very sacrificing kind of theology. You know, women yeah. suffer, put up with it, put up and yeah. shut up, you know? Yeah. Time's changing yeah. now. Obviously, I'm yeah. a geriatric sure. millennial. We're millennials, but I think the Gen Zers are a lot, a lot more like "fuck you." I'm not putting They're up with this it. shit. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Um, but definitely for my mother's generation, probably yeah. Rubina's mom's generation, very much a put up and shut up. You know. Yeah, yeah. I think one of the really interesting things around it is also about so so aside taking the conversation out of groups, whether it be um, ethnic background, culturally. I think that it's, in terms of us as individuals, one of the things that I've started to really understand about myself is that how I respond to, or how from when I was very small, as a young woman, how I responded to verbal attacks from a young boy or how I responded to some trauma as a teenager is very specific to me. The more women that I talk to on my podcast, and I'm sure you find this too, the more I'm going, oh, okay. So actually, outside of these systems that have been put in place, which are very specific to different backgrounds, we have to also look really deep at ourselves and work out who we are as women 
and how we want to respond to the world. And what I loved about what you said, Rubina, was that you and, I, and Jess Megan, who was um, uh, earlier on on the season, was saying, she said, I don't know about you, Mika, but I've grown into my like warrior woman feminist. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, because sometimes I feel a bit ashamed about that. Like sometimes when I think about how I behaved in 2006, I'm like, because my mother was like a leading feminist. And I go, what was I doing in 2006? <laughs> I was so wrong. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, and and even with, with, with the podcast, I just... I grow, as you've described, into it more and more. And I think that as human beings, if we can release ourselves from fixing ourselves, this is who I am. I am this person and this is what I do with my life. 100%. And these are these are my aspirations and these are my goals. And it's so detrimental. And so that, and then outside of that, you've got your communities that's going, this is who you are. Yeah. And you're going, this is who I am. And if you can just unpick it and release yourself mm. to be like, I might be someone different tomorrow to who I am today and and how wonderful would that be I feel like it's this idea this idea that's recently been plaguing me is like all women should be like empowered and feel really confident all the time and it's like it's toxic positivity it's like you will be confident yesterday and not today and tomorrow you'll be different and you are this amazing malleable creature that will sometimes feel sexually empowered and sometimes feel completely frigid and that's fine that's totally fine you can be Mm. all those things like why do we always have to choose and define ourselves Mm. I actually I actually think it's fine if you don't know who you are all the way up until you die I think that's fine yeah there's a lot of pressure speaking of who we are uh, I don't know if you know this. I've only recently found out. So you might be like, oh, yeah, Mika, God, keep up the happy <laughs> vagina. God. But um, so I just recently learned that one's vulva is, is like a snowflake in that the nerves that come down to every single woman's vulva are completely different. Did not know that, Mika. That is a hot, hot, hot tip right there. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, and because in terms of education and empowerment and feeling deeply at peace with ourselves as women, and we're going to come on to this, smashing this very, very destructive, acutely painful shame around what we look like in terms of our genitals, I think knowing, because of course, as a, as a small being, your nerves are how you grow. You grow around your nervous system, like the nerves grow out and mm. then your physiology kind of grows around it. So it's like, oh, okay, of course, every single vulva in the whole planet is totally different. Like, oh, okay. That's amazing. Imagine if you could get like, um, like a, a cast or a kind yeah. of a, an anatomical drawing of your nervous system and everyone could get that done for themselves down there. That's wild. <gasps> That'd be so cool. We definitely need to do that. <laughs> Speaking of casts, I want to talk to you about something that I actually, I have to say, genuinely, I think is really, really brave because we're we're working with Callalee, an organic tampon brand that we all really love. So Callalee are leading the charge yet again in terms of pushing the boundaries on, on in the period space, but around the vagina, vulva, gynae, reproductive area. And they are campaigning for us to talk more about our vulvas. And one of the things that they have done is they have invited seven of you to have your vulvas cast. And I think that you, what, you, what they are doing and what you are doing is honestly phenomenally brave. Phenomenally brave. I think that the suggestion, I think, was it you, Poppy? I read that you, you in your first season of Brown Girls Do It Too, you... 
you you were asked to look at your vulva vagina and you hadn't managed to kind of get there yeah i i, I was set a task to look at my um vajayjay and um the the mirror steamed up and i was like well fuck it then hot vulva that's a so sign I basically it's a sign i was like yeah literally a millisecond i was like oh, i can't be bothered um and uh and then it was set again in my in the second season and I did I, I I had a lockdown bush so I literally couldn't see anything um but I do need to give it a bit of love and attention um and I have I have I have had a look at it but I think I but basically I just need to move the mirror in the bedroom because it just steams up and I'm always like oh I always want to look at my vagina after I've showered and it's just Sorry, I'm using the steaming up as a shit excuse, but I do need to have a proper... It also I... sounds like your vagina's like letting off steam, which I'm really... <laughs> I love that. No, it's in the it's in the bathroom. Like it's just getting uh... steamed up. The, the mirror is in the bathroom and then I'm having a shower and then it just everything is just steamy and I can't see anything. That sounds impractical. You need a handheld and then you need to just... Yeah, 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 I need a handheld. But hand also, hand. if you use the handheld, can I just give you a little suggestion mm. that you just, if you've got a handheld with a double sign, with one being like the enlarged side, this and one being the normal side. Exactly uh, what just, I need just... to do. I don't know if I'm ready for that yet. I basically bought this really beautiful, <laughs> like Titanic-esque mirror that something Kate Winslet would have in the Titanic. It's like beautiful, oh, yes. it's like this big. Yeah. And it just lives mm. in the bathroom. But I actually maybe need to do a handheld, double-sided, flip it, and look yeah. at my see every single pore on those lips yeah. mm. <laughs> i liked what rabina said as well and i think it is okay to not force yourself hey i'm ryan reynolds at mint mobile we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does they charge you a lot we charge you a little so naturally when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you that's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. You are in that experience with yourself, Poppy, that you're in a process of of transformation and finding out what feels okay for you. It kind of made it even braver that you've agreed to have your your vulvas cast. So just going right to the basics of this, cast in what? Jelly? Uh, no, it's like this white kind of... Um... What is the material actually? Was it resin? It's, no, it's it's actually it's a plaster. It's plaster of Paris, but that's not how they do it on you, obviously, because they can't just put plaster of Paris on you. Um, anyway, there's this on your vulva, there's the, on the snowflake, <laughs> on the snowflake, your unique <laughs> cast. Um, well, there's this amazing artist called Lydia Reeves who has this beautiful studio in Portslade that um that Poppy and I went down to see, and she is wonderful. I mean, like, mm. and and also I just want to reiterate when we were told about whether we'd like to cast our vulvas, we were like, no, absolutely not. That's too much. That's a line too far. And it mm. took us months of back and forth conversations with each other, with our peers, with that, with Callie, who who are absolutely lovely, mm. to kind of really understand why we were saying no. 
And again, this is like this whole introspective thing that podcasting gives you where you're like, I feel this way. Why do I feel this way? And you kind of get to go back. So we did say no. And it it took us Mm -hmm. a long time to get to the point where we were like, yeah, let's do it. And even Mm -hmm. after we've done it and taken photos of it, we're still having conversations about whether we feel brave. So this idea that we're brave. Yes. Amazing. We did go and do it. But we're not brave every day. And we definitely chicken out every minute of it and being like, is this the right thing? Is this what I want? Is my vulva pretty? We're having all of those same conversations I think any woman is having about how they look Mm. down there. Basically, Um, we're like, do I have a tight pussy? Is my pussy skinny? Like you're you're, you're, you're having the same horrible conversations that you don't want to have. I mean, we're we're sort of doing it as a joke, but we're also like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but it's ingrained Yeah, it's ingrained It's ingrained. Yeah, those are honest feelings. Those are the real thoughts. Yeah, have. yeah, they're, they're, those were our thoughts, you know. And like, I'm, I'm looking at my vagina. I'm like, okay, it's very flappy. There's a lot of skin down there. I thought I had a, like a tight little porn pussy, but I clearly don't. And then we, even now, we're like, well, do we cover it? Do we not? Are we going to be a meme? Are we going to get trolled? Um, also, we need to remember that we're brown. Uh, we like exactly like you said. You did a podcast about vaginas, and you didn't get trolled, and we did. And so we have to, you know, you have to take into you have to take all that into account. And, and I think we were like trying to empower each other. Like, look, let's, if we're going to do it, let's just do it. And then, and then one day I'd be like, well, Rubino, have you thought about this? And Rubino would be like, you know, so we'd sort of take it in turns. But I think, um, I mean, Rubino, you say this so eloquently, don't you, about bl- blowing, blowing the doors down, don't you? About why we yeah. do what we do. I mean, I guess a lot, like a lot of people probably don't like our podcast because we're quite graphic and we're quite extreme and they, maybe we mouth off a bit and we're silly as hell. And, mm. you know, that's the truth. We're silly and we don't care. Um, and I think a lot of people kind of critique how graphic it is. They're like, why do you have to be so graphic? Why do you have to put like mm. those kinds of words in your mm. mouth? And the truth is, look, our mothers never got to say anything, mm. anything. Mm. And so mm. we just want to say everything, yeah. almost mm. all the way to the end. We don't just want to open the door. We want to blow the doors mm. off so that the next generation mm. maybe can get it right. Because yeah. if we're going to do it, we just got to mm. go all the way. And maybe that's part of us getting our... Uh, Volvo's cast yeah. was just being like, "This is mm. the most extreme thing you can do. This is the most exposing and mm. most vulnerable position you can put be put yourself put yourself in." It's like, "Here, look at my vagina, and do it with Poppy, so that you have your two vaginas literally being compared. Like, it's so exposing." <laughs> how how was that for you? The the um, I think that adds a whole. I mean, I I I I feel like you're the same person. <laughs> Um, you you well, mentioned weirdly. at the beginning that you're yeah you're like a bubble you're like, it's just really nice you're actually very individual and unique but you kind of you 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 feel like you're in a bubble and not the awful bubble we've been doing all year <laughs> but I still think that there must be an element of like so my mum used to have vagina examining work, vulva examining workshops in our family home wow when I, I'd get home from school and that there'd be mirrors on the floor and she'd have had a group of women overdoing it. But I do think that um, even that, seeing that my mum doing that for me, doing it in a group somehow is um, is more exposing. How, how was it for you? Did you feel competitive with each other? Like, did you feel, I don't think competitive is quite the right word, but did you, did the shame go, shit, what if hers is that and mine's not that? I would say it's really weird, but Poppy is one of those people I have in my life that I feel no, I just want her to succeed in absolutely everything. I want you to succeed in everything. Oh and like, I would, I, when our when our vaginas cast came out, I was like, I hope hers is prettier than mine. Like, I'm fine with that. Like, whatever. <laughs> like, I hope I hope she doesn't have a problem with it. Like, I, oh my God, I was thinking the same. Oh my God, I was literally thinking the same thing. Well, to answer your question, not at all. I I didn't feel um I didn't feel like in a a we don't have that 
kind of it's dynamic. not quite competition it's more to mean. do with um it's more to do with how we are with ourselves you know i was i was i was i was a fascinated to see what my vagina would look like because i had never seen my vagina also, Poppy, you're a bit like, I don't have to look in the mirror anymore because I've got a cast <laughs> on my exactly. mantelpiece. It's above the fire exactly. for everyone to see. Exactly. No, I, I didn't. But, you know, you, you, okay, so, Mika, replace the word um, vagina cast, vulva cast with thigh gap, and and I'd be all sorts of like, oh, my God. But it was, it was you know, we'd never been in that space before. Who gets their fucking vulvas cast? I was just fascinated because you need to understand the way I see my vagina is, sitting on the toilet that's the one dangle yeah. the dangle you get the lip dangle yeah. that's the uh, yeah. so i was a fascinated to see it it's like it's a bit uh, like yeah sounds gross but you know when you get your um asshole waxed yeah my uh waxing lady is amazing she sort of does a cast of my ass with the wax and then shows it to me i'm like what does she yeah, everyone needs to go and see her yeah, she's, uh, she needs to come on our podcast <laughs> she's amazing and so i was i was fascinated and i was also fascinated to see Rubina's and I don't think we'd be lying in I mean we compared it in the way that you might compare women's hairstyles or boobs or like a woman's you know what I mean I was like and interestingly the artist Lydia said we had very similar vaginas <laughs> oh, that just explains everything <laughs> honestly it was <sighs> both our sets of lips talk too much that's yeah, the problem. yeah. <laughs> but there was I mean <laughs> Also, you're in the right space. Yeah. It's like confirmed. We should be doing this podcast to us together. We should be talking about sex and orgasms. Yes. Yeah, exactly. I was going to say the process is really interesting for anyone who ever goes and does it because like Poppy was saying, the way that you see your vulva and vagina is you look at it from the top angle and then you might take a mirror yeah. and look at it from a bottom. When you have your vulva yeah. cast, you lie on a table with your legs wide open as if you were having yeah. a wax with your knees open, wide open. Yeah. And so the right. cast is actually your vagina at its fully e exposed blossoming. Yeah. Wow. It's not It's not just wow. the top, it's not just the yeah. side, yeah, it's yeah, yeah, everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're just there with this person that you've just met who's doing this amazing gel thing. She puts the gel thing in and yeah. then she puts the plaster of Paris on and then she pulls it out and she shows you the inverted end. Yeah. So she shows yeah. you your inside out vagina first. So does the gel go around the vulva and the clitoral area and the labia and then up into the vaginal tunnel as well? It doesn't go too so far it... in, but it, it goes, okay. it, it, like, when you see the little invert, bit. you'll see, like, a little yeah. lip. The vaginal opening. Out. Exactly. So, you, yeah. on the day, all we saw was the inside-out version. And then a week later, we were, give, we were shown the actual plaster yeah. casts. And actually, weirdly, they're kind of beautiful, wonderful they pieces really? of art. Of course they are. Of course, because women are the most beautiful thing in the whole world ever. I mean, it's like so obvious. So it's so it's weird so that we all feel so ashamed. Yeah. And when we were in her studio, she'd done casts of other vaginas and each vagina, a bit like what you were saying about the neurons and the nerves. They're so unique to the woman. I mean, some women were quite, had more flaps. Others were less flappy. Others were smaller. Some were large. like, it's, it's so unique to, to the person. I was just so curious. Yeah. I was just like, what does it look like? Um, so we were just, I think we were fascinated with our own vulvas and each other's vulvas, but there was no, um, yeah. obviously we made light of the fact that I really hope, you know, my vagina is skinny and tight and like a porn vagina. But like, it was, you, once you see it, all of those thoughts actually just, they, they disappear quite quickly. And you're just like, that's what it looks like. It's a bit like, you know, when you see yeah. your hair from the, you never get to see your hair. From yeah, I know, from the back. Never, yeah, yeah, ever. yeah. When, or hear your voice. When do you see, I mean, I know I hear my voice all the time. I do. <laughs> but when you're younger, when you first start to get to know your voice and stuff, it's funny, yeah. isn't it? It's just, it's about, it's about um, breaking through a barrier of ignorance, mm. actually. And the reason that I really 
asked about a thing that I'm not sure what to call other than competitiveness is because obviously Callie did some research. Yeah. Um, and this is not a new thought or piece of knowledge, but they've done some very thorough research to support their We Need to Talk About Our Volvers campaign. And they said that 55% of 16 to 24 year olds said that there's too much pressure to, to have a, I don't even know what this means, a perfect yeah, Volvo. Yeah. And that 22% of them said that they, this is really shocking, had considered changing their vulvas themselves, we can't even say it, wow. um, either through bleaching or through cutting, yeah. and um, which is essentially a form of personal FGM. Yeah, it's self-mutilation, isn't it? The only thing that can possibly... So the reason I wanted to go into the comparison space, really, with you two, and just sort of log that as a part of this conversation, was that these thoughts that all human beings have mm. about their, their genitals all human beings but women particularly and 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 particularly the young at the moment because i think to a certain extent my generation we're just cut off we just like i you know to watch pornography when i was young you had to like go yeah. to the, to the news agent and get it from the top mm. shelf or maybe you'd get a vhs that would everyone like everyone would get passed around the school and yeah. so even though i think that the level of shame for me in my generation and i would suggest yours too even though you're you're both a bit younger than me there was a slightly i i don't think we were quite as exposed as to what's going on now and you've both mentioned porn and this comparison comparison has to be the root of those statistics it has to be in amongst all the other stuff the politics you know the the cultural racist stuff that's going on the real root of it has to be that as human beings, we're comparing ourselves to something. I, I would go for. I would go one back. I mean, yeah, we're, the comparing is the symptom of not talking about it and not ex exposing or talking about what is what is there, right? So, young women are getting their sex education from porn or from their friends who are also not very well informed. Let's be honest, right? They're also probably getting it from Instagram and social media. The problem is. If you are not, you know, I'm a woman in my 30s and I've only just looked at my vagina the other day. Can you imagine mm. what it's like being a 16 to 20, 22 year old with social media as an added kind of mind fuck of you trying to figure out your body, right? So I think even before we start talking about comparing, we're not talking about our vaginas in a healthy way. We're not really giving young women the tools to like love their body, love their vaginas. They're, you know, their education is from other boys comparing their vaginas to each other, other women. Um, so I think, you know, this is why clearly we need a space where we have podcasts like yours, like ours. But I mean, I don't know many 16 year olds that listen to podcasts. So how do you get through to them? That's the key thing. Like young kids, teenagers, I don't think they're listening to podcasts. So how do you get through to them? Do you get, you know, it's, it's clearly I think it's about flooding them with other vaginas. So like, exactly, I, I think exactly. the, like, the comparison thing is never going away. Yeah. I will always compare myself to the skinnier bitch on the corner. I will yeah. always do that. There will always be that mm. voice in my head that says, you're not thin enough. You're too dark. You're that. And I work hard to suppress those. And I try and fill my mm. Instagram feed with people who aren't like mm. making me feel terrible about myself. I think it's mm. about flooding the platform. Absolutely. With stuff like this, more sex positive stuff or more like yeah. kind of introspective stuff that makes people think differently about their body. Up the vulva dial, baby. It's, Absolutely. it's that. Mm. You, you're yeah. never going to be able to fight, you know, Instagram models and influencers mm. showing their like perfect mm. lives and their perfect yeah. pussies. Like you're not going to be able to do yeah. that. You just got to, you got to be like, here's my pussy as well, by the way. It's not perfect and I'm okay with that but do you, have you with the work that you're doing have you got any insight because I feel slightly confused about the fact that we've got this younger generation of warrior women who 
from the outside seem to be far more feminist and kind of right-sized about who they are on the planet than any of us were when we were their age. And then this dichotomy of them really not being able to be comfortable with their own genitals. And I and is it porn? It, you know, with the work that you're doing, would you say that the main culprit is Instagram? So social media in general, let's not blame I, I, social I don't, I don't media. Think social, it, no, I don't think it's just social media. I think it's absolutely multifaceted. And I, and, you know, and I think the women, those female activists online, those warriors, I mean, I don't know what they think about their vaginas personally, privately, sorry, mm. but clearly they're, you know, they're spreading a positive message and they're educating their peers. Um, mm. I don't think, I don't think you can blame one thing. I don't think you can just say it's porn and it's social media and it's Facebook and it's, it's TikTok. I think all of those things weave into, it's, 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 it's everything that feeds into like this perfect storm, which is young women and men having all sorts of um, issues about their body, about their vagina. Mm. Um, so mm. I think it, I think it's I think it's everything. I, I, I kind of don't mm. think it's I think it's us as human beings because we're the ones mm. who contribute to social media. We made social media what it is, and we make and consume mm. porn. Like mm. I think mm. it's us. I think society still has lots of issues with how women should feel empowered or look at their bodies. We still really glamorize, you know, big tits, big big butt, but tiny waist. This kind of fake mm. thing that still everybody wants and like. It's it's us. We're really the problem. And yeah. I think mm. we need to just make sure that we're trying to do better stuff and thinking about it differently. One of the things that I love about what you're doing with your podcast and what I'm trying to do with The Happy Vagina is kind of commercialise it. So this fun... I mean, sometimes people tell me that my podcast isn't quite feminist enough and I'm like, great, because do you know what? That's an echo chamber. It's why what Canley's doing is really great because they're going to take it national. You know, this is going to be in national newspapers. <laughs> You're just thinking the same thing. <laughs> I was literally like, oh my God, my vagina's going to be in the fucking hell. <laughs> literally thinking you just verbalized the sound that i made in my mouth literally (laughs) that was so funny literally you two hilarious you're like two you're the same person but totally different it's such a weird experience (laughs) honestly we are so it is honest it is the it's the weirdest thing we are the same person it's really lovely but i think you know just i think for me one of the things that I feel is really important is to is to get it out of the echo chamber. And I think that that's that's why, you know, people think what you're doing is so brave for you to then take this conversation into your communities. Then it then it's a feedback loop that then goes to people that aren't following Ruby Rare on Instagram. Do you know what I mean? It's like because Ruby's community already believe in what she's talking about and we need to get to the to the humans in general, but particularly the, the women who, 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 who don't have any access to this way of thinking. And that's, that's what you're doing with your podcast. And that is what you're doing by having your vulvas cast <laughs> and taking them national. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. I mean, we just, we always just want things to be fun and, and, and honest. And so part of our kind of partaking in the campaign is to talk about our vulvas and have a good time with it and and have fun and we had so much fun with Kalalee and having our vulvas cast but also to be really honest and be like mm-hmm. this was scary this is still scary for us yeah it's yeah, oh, yeah. We ha- we're not coming yeah. out and just being like now we're ready we're going to show everyone we're going to be these amazing it's not we are works in progress and we will be yeah forever. we are definitely works in progress yeah
The last thing that I want to touch on around this space as well is that I think that plastic surgery is becoming less expensive. So one of the other things that we're battling in this space is that access to having surgical treatment. So so I, I was at a lunch recently with this woman who proudly told me that she owned a designer vagina clinic. Like, she knows what I do. She knows who I am. And she was really proud about it. And she was like, we should talk about it. And I was like, or not. I mean, I am happy to talk to her about it. But like, I think that these designer vagina clinics are popping up everywhere. Also virginity clinics, which is something that I'm campaigning really strongly about at the moment to stop happening. But in a way, when surgery used to be something that was only for people with quite a lot of money, you either had to have a medical condition or you had to have a lot of money to have surgery and now it's being normalized to the extent that you can get it on the high street and that's mm. a really dangerous thing that's happening i am interested in this and i tried to have a conversation with someone about this the other day and they quite rightly said well what's the difference between getting a labiaplasty getting your vagina tightened or whatever to look a certain way and, and getting injected lips um or getting a nose job or getting any of those other things and you know while i i agree i think you know plastic surgery should be an open choice to somebody because i i do think there are cases that if you do want to do it you yes. should be able to i wonder i wonder this focus on like then where do we stop with talking about plastic surgery right because it's like well you should embrace your nose you should embrace all the parts that are, of your culture and um and I couldn't figure out the line in my head on talking about surgery. So I feel like I still don't know where I stand. I mean, I don't think anyone should have any surgery. I think you should just feel good in, in the way that you are. But I can totally understand. I've met people like Asian women, especially have had nose jobs who really struggled with their noses forever. And it changed their whole confidence. So is I Nara... completely agree with you that people should get to make decisions that's right for them. I think for me, where the disparity lies in terms of genitals. But so so um, I think a lot of the facial... Um, or, or breast adjustments that happen are deeply rooted in some kind of really weird version of what you think you should look like as a human being. I think we're so far from liberating the vulva that to be already in a space where you can change it. So we haven't normalised mm. it yet. Like, it's it's just too soon. Like, it's too soon because it's been hidden for such a long time. So it's not even as though... Mm. The young people who are thinking of having this surgery have been given a whole range, which you are about to do, thank you, uh, a range of of, of versions to look at. So that's what it is for me, because someone that has struggled with the shape Mm. of their nose all of their life and wants to change it to look more like another human being, they've been looking at noses their whole life. And if they're still struggling with their mental health around it, if they're still struggling with their mental health around it, Mm. whether it's for aesthetic reasons or not, go and do it. And I would agree with you, the same in terms of um, any kind of vaginal plastic surgery. However... How many vulvas have you seen to know that yours is something that is so ugly that you want to go and put a knife to it? And I would also just say that it's a sacred area. I really, I feel, I don't want to put it on too much of a pedestal, but I am. It's on a pedestal. It's a sacred area. And it should be, it should be on a pedestal. I sort of see both of your points of view. Like, like Rubina said, where is the line? You do it with your nose, you do it with your boobs, you do it with your bum. Um, But I'm also, I agree with what Mika has said. We should put it on a pedestal. Also, I, I, I get noses and I get boobs, man. You see that shit all the time. It's all, like your vagina is covered by and large. It's concealed. Yeah. It's like the one area of yeah. your body you are not showing. Yeah. And, and who are you doing it for? Like that's that troubles me because it's like if you get your nose done, you're doing it for yourself because you look in the mirror or you want to take selfies or whatever. Exactly. 
Yeah. Look, people who have vitiligo, yeah. I totally yeah. understand when it's a visible thing and it's really affecting you. And I, I, I get it, I get it, I get it. But when your vagina is pretty much tucked yeah. away 99.9% .9 of the time and you feel the need to yeah. get a designer vagina, then Rubina's thing of like, well, there is no line anymore. The lines are blurred. Because if you're getting your vagina done, you're getting your arsehole done, you're getting everything done. Mm. I think access access to surgery should be mediated, mediated. with some sort of check. Yeah. yeah, and it's not really like no, like it's it's a free market, right? Right now, you can just you can go up to anyone and be like, yeah, sure, can I get this done? This done? They'll be like, yeah, they'll just be like, cool, when? And this is this is how much? People are going to Turkey to get lipo, and you know, because it's cheaper there. Um, and also, I I also really want to um, I've got a massive really vendetta dangerous. against um, face filters. Because they give you face dysmorphia, they make you they they're skin lighteners. Um, mm. They give you that sort of slight Michael Jackson mm. uh, kind of plastic surgery chiseled look. I wouldn't say chiseled. I was addicted to them, but like I was, there was definitely a moment in time where I was using them instead of my own fucking face. I know. And well, you don't have to wear any makeup. It's like it was easy. If anything, it was easy. You don't have to wear any makeup. It's easy. And then um, I did a radio show about I can't give you the statistics now, but like again, a bit exactly like the designer vagina. People were going to plastic surgeons and saying, can you make me look like this filter? So 15, 20 years ago, it was like, can you make me look like this actress? Now it's like, can you make me look like the yeah. fucking Valencia filter? Yeah. It's, uh, not yeah. Valencia, but you know what I mean? That filter. Um, <laughs> yeah. And it's like, where are we going? Like, where are we? Like, I am actually so scared to have a child because if I, a, a daughter oh, and, a, and a boy, but because of this thing with social media, because it's not been policed. There's no laws around it, really. Like mental health in young people is just completely exploded. We're, we're going down the rabbit hole. It's not getting any better. <laughs> doomsday, doomsday, Poppy. Doomsday, honestly. I think, I think it will be, I think it will be, I, I hope it will be right-sized. It will be that there is work going on. Just on coming back to a, a last, we haven't got any time to talk about this thoroughly, so maybe we'll have to do a follow-up, but one of the things that um, I recently read, and this is about uh, Christian faith, that, that, you know, when they did start to dissect female bodies, uh, it was considered a sin by the church. The woman's reproductive organs were considered a sin by the church. So recently some archaeologists found uh, an old book that uh, where the vagina was had a triangle cut out. And I think that for me is why we, we shouldn't be going down the route of plastic surgery for vaginas because we haven't right-sized the extra... Because I'm sure that within the Muslim uh, religions you have your stories like that. And I'm talking mm. about uh, Western medicine and Christian faith. But I would suggest probably is the same all over the world in 2021 you've basically in a nutshell the vagina that little triangle is still a sin right yeah it's yeah. it's still a sin it's shameful it should be covered yeah it should be hidden away it should be yeah. tucked away it's for the male gaze it's yeah. for their uh yeah. pleasure yeah it can't be for our pleasure yeah and if we want to use it when we want to use it yeah it you know that's yeah. not allowed either yeah and it's just fucking hell it's so it, it, it not only is it boring it's so like we don't want a sex podcast. I mean, we do want a sex podcast, but we don't want to. We don't want a sex podcast in twenty twenty one where we're having to like normalize this. <laughs> this should weird, already have been Wild. normal thousands of years ago. I know. You know twenty twenty one. We're still like. I mean, how many yeah, yeah, sex yeah. and relationships? Uh, sorry, how many? Um, there are so many podcasts in the sex and relationship space, and clearly there needs to be because women feel safe when they talk when they talk to their yeah. peers about. Yeah. They're private bits yeah. in a way that you maybe couldn't in a documentary yeah. or a film. Yeah. I am, um, side note, I am taking acting classes yeah, cool. and I, uh, I was reading some scenes. Rubina, this is fucking insane. I was reading some scenes because we have to do a duologue and I swear to God, I was like, 
I've read a lot of scenes because I need to practice for like this showcase we have. And I said to the um, acting teacher, I was yeah. like, by the way, the female, like I've read seven scenes and out of the seven duologues, there are two out of these seven duologues where the woman is just bearing in mind, just equal to the man in terms of lines. Status, like, in terms of in lines. Terms of, right. In terms of wittiness, yeah, yeah, funniness. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm talking about, you yeah. know, she's leading, you know, those sorts of qualities. Everything else, the man has the better lines. Yeah. You know, everything. And, and that to me is like life. It's forget yeah. sex. Yeah. Like, forget sex. That's just life. That's just society. I completely, completely agree with you. I think that there's so much more work to do to right-size the patriarchy that I. that's why I think really we have to be anti the plastic surgery. We've run out of time and I'm devastated because I feel like I've like met my soul sisters. But just before we close, um, coming back to the beginning of this conversation and your journey as women, for any of the listeners who come from similar backgrounds to you, which I know is a generalisation, but who might be struggling to find their find it always there have a moment always have moments where I feel like crying but how struggling to find their voice where they feel really stuck they're way behind you in terms of breaking free from the restrictions what would you how how, how do people get out how how what are the small things or the big things that women particularly can do to break free of 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 the of the restrictions in their communities or their families I want to say to anyone listening um, that I, I felt like I didn't have a voice. I, I'm probably not that far behind you or not that far ahead of you, you know, and it takes time and you don't get it overnight and you have to, you know, believe in yourself and you might not believe in yourself every day. I would strongly, strongly recommend to those women listening, have a, have a core network of brilliant people, men and women around you. They don't have to, you don't have to have a huge network, but you know, three or four friends, confidants, that you can talk to when you're feeling like artist shit, but also when you're feeling like you're on top of the world and not every, you know, I, I, after my divorce went through such a low period, I had no self-esteem and I did a 180 and that took, um, that took about two years. So you will get there. You just have to have faith in yourself. Um, so that's my my two cents worth. I think mine would be like, just remember that your body is like functional and that it does these amazing things for you. Like it keeps you alive by letting you breathe and you get to touch yourself and feel pleasure. If you feel pleasure in that way, you can stroke your own hair and feel comfort. Like there is amazing stuff that you can just do to yourself and that reconnection that you can feel with your body. Like you're in control and you're, there's loads of things in the world you can't control. You can't control who's around you, what people are saying to you, whatever, but you can control the way you feel about yourself and your body. Looking mm. in the mirror, just touching yourself in different ways. And I really mm. do just promote a lot of like self-love amongst women because mm. you can make yourself feel instantly amazing with mm. your own hands or with, mm. a, with a toy if that's what gets you off. Mm. I just think that power, if you can regain it for yourself, it's just you and just focus on you. Oh, I mean like literally totally different and amazing suggestions. Thank you so much. Thank you for giving us your time thank you for having your vulvas <laughs> cast oh god <laughs> oh. <laughs> for the good of the nation and the world and women <laughs> everywhere and sharing all your inspiring it's been real it's been an honor to talk to you both thank you thank you so much for having us it was wonderful thank you thank you for having us and a very special thank you to our sponsors of this week's episode Callalee and all the work they're doing to free our vulvas in celebration of this campaign, they are offering 30% off for all our listeners using the code VULVATALK. 
Yes, that's some very happy vulvas for the Happy Vagina community. And they don't just sell their brilliant leak-proof tamp liners. You can mix and match any products you like to suit your needs, get them delivered through your door to a schedule that fits your cycle. So head over to www.cala.ly now and use the code VULVATALK to get 30% off a box. And while you're there... You can see loads of great content about vulvas, including realistic illustrations and resources that aim to fill that huge educational gap we've been talking about today. So head over to www.cala.ly. That's www.cala.ly. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 